stop the talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. to the KIRP radio show. I'm your host, Pudgy, and it's uh, another time to get this thing popping, man. This beautiful Sunday, as you guys, as well as you. And it's time to shine, man. It's time to do what we do best. So 
Welcome all the newcomers to the KRP Radio Show. Really appreciate you guys for coming on here with us this evening. Shout out to everybody out there who who has been listening to us on a regular basis. And uh, all the people out there who are newcomers and, you know, folks that maybe just scrolling through. Maybe, maybe you heard something negative about the show. Maybe you heard something that uh, you didn't think you would like. And uh, maybe you heard somebody talking junk. You know, people have been known to talk a little junk about KIRP Radio and some of the stances that we take. But, you know, welcome to the show anyway. You know, it's nothing but love on this side. And despite what you might hear, uh, we just stand firm on what we believe, and that's Christ and life. And everything else will fall up under the barrel, man. You know, we, we group everything else, and we try to put it together the best we know how with showing love at the same time. So shout out to you guys. B.I.G. shout out to everybody out there who are new and listening to the show. Last week was last week was Father's Day, and uh, I did my little Father's Day address where I come on and I share some experiences and, you know, try to talk about some positive things and, and just shine light on fatherhood. And uh, this being the third year, second year on the air doing it, but it's being the third year uh, that I've given my annual Father's Day address, and I feel like I completely bombed it. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I don't I don't think that uh, it was that great. But the thing is, I know it was from the heart, okay, and I definitely got my prayers on before I started, and before I even started to write, you know, I always ask God, any, or anytime I go to speak, always I always ask God to lead me into uh, a positive place that would that would promote and exalt his name and, and his ideas and where he would want people to be. So, you know, that's what I did, and uh, that's how it ended, and, and, you know, it ended how it ended. Some people liked it. Some people probably didn't like it. I haven't heard any negative feedback on it, only positive, but, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I knew I was doing God's will, and I definitely was working on and trying to do something positive. So, you know, that's what we did last week, and shout out to everybody out there who listened to the show or who went back and checked it out on the archives. The archives are what keep us going. The archives are amazing uh, for a radio show, an online radio show uh, such as KRP. Uh, we don't. We, we probably do anywhere from, I've seen 8,000 on a night. I've seen 20 to 30,000. I've seen up to 70,000 people listening live. And I think that's how, I, no, excuse me, 40,000 40, listening live, but right after that, it, it got up to 70,000. And um, so, you know, we get we get a lot of people that listen to the show live, but more people listen at their convenience. And that's the beautiful thing about what we do on the show and, and how we can broadcast and us having this Blog Talk network. So shout out to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, get a plug on that as if they need one. And, uh, you know, Spreaker and, and all the other platforms that we use, iTunes and, and KRPRadioShow.com, definitely check that out. But, you know, we get a lot of people listening to the archives that just come back and listen, and maybe they click on at work or they listen through the Facebook and the Twitters and all of that. And, you know, we really appreciate it because that's what grows our numbers. So, you know, we're, we're somewhere up to uh, almost at 12 million uh, total listeners out there. And uh, you know that's not a huge number in the in the FM market, but uh, it's a huge number to me because that lets me know that there's 12 million people out there that we have touched one way or the other. There's 12 million people out there that we have we have spoken directly to, and that understands you know what we believe and and how how we hold it. You know they they understand you know what we stand for and why we do what we do. But you know there are also a lot of people out there who just get bits and pieces of it, and they don't understand. 
you know, what we do and why we do what we do. So, you know, we got to keep broadcasting, and, and because of that, we're looking to expand the network. So, you know, we got some things in the working and, and in the making, and hopefully, you know, real soon we'll we'll probably be on uh, on another network such as, you know, we'll keep the blog talk, we'll keep the iTunes, all, all of the existing ways that you folks listen to the KRP radio show will still be there. But we're looking at, you know, expanding to, you know, Cirrus or, you know, one of those uh, other XM platforms. So, you know, look for us, man. We're definitely trying to do some other things and trying to bring some new sponsors and some new advertisement to the forefront. Uh, some of the contracts that with people that we work with now are almost uh, about to expire. So it's time to take on some new challenges and, uh, you know, bring some new people to the table and, we just hired a salesman last week. You know, shout out to William. B.I.G., shout out to William, man. Uh, he worked for W, ah, I forgot the name of the station, but somewhere in Minnesota. So a big shout out to William, man. He's going to come aboard and, and really help us help us out with this thing and, uh, you know, kind of keep us going and uh, so we can expand the KRP radio show for all the listeners out there in, in a whole new market, a whole lot of other markets. So that's what we need to do, and that's what it is. B.I.G., shout out to my people out there, A. Um, ECU, B.I.G. Shout out to my people out there at Arizona State. B.I.G. Shout out to my people out there at Trident University. You guys are definitely B.I.G. in my book. Got your notes here, and I'm writing down my shout out. So if you guys got shout outs, hit us up on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash KIRP radio show. You can also leave your shout outs on Twitter. Make sure you hit the at symbol KIRP radio show or at symbol NC Pudgy. And uh, let us know what your shout-outs are, man. We'll try our best to get them in there. I don't care who you shout-out. You can shout-out your dead grandmother, rest in peace. And I love your grandmother, too. So shout her out if you feel like shouting her out or whatever you want to do. We'll try our best to get your shout-outs on the air, man, and show you guys some love. Well, you guys who want to check us out on iTunes, make sure you check out the iTunes podcast. That's podcast keyword. There's three words, K-I-R-P, radio, and show. Or just search K-I-R-P. And that's how you can find the show as well. So you're rocking with your boy Pudgy, at NC Pudgy on Twitter. And uh, we're getting ready to bring on someone who's very dear to the KIRP radio show. Her name is Charlotte from Triad Super Saver and StretchingYourBudget.com. After this commercial, we're going to bring her on. And she's going to tell you guys, I don't know what she's going to tell you guys. Maybe she'll tell you about a vacation. Maybe she'll tell you about her kids, or maybe she'll tell you what she's eating tonight. Who knows? But at any rate, she's going to tell you guys how to live a little bit more frugal, how to save some dollars. And if you guys want to check her out, make sure you log on to stretchingyourbudget.com. She's also on Twitter. She's on Facebook, at Triad Super Saver. Look that up, at symbol, Triad, T-R-I-A-D, Super Saver, one word. And uh, you can find some of the daily deals that she posts some of the weekly deals that she posts and maybe you can archive back and you can learn how to uh, coupon a little bit better and, and do some other things. So shout out to you guys, man. B.I.G. Shout out to all our listeners out there, all our newcomers. Also see my people at Barn University, Barn University, Barn College down in my hometown of Wilson, North Carolina. I see my Barton people, baby. Shout out to all my people out there at Barton College in Wilson, North Carolina. Be right back after these messages. You rocking with the number one black conservative, and yes, I did it. I said black conservative. People don't like that, but I love it, and I'm sure about it, so that's why I'm doing it. 
We'll be right back after these messages, baby. Number one black conservative show, Southeastern United States, KRPRadioshow.com. Check us out, 619-638-8559. Hit number one if you got a comment. If we have time, we will get you guys on the air. I'll be right back. K-I-R-P Radio! Some people say good things come to those who wait. Truth is good things come to those who work. work later and work harder. They're willing to go farther than anyone else to get them. If you're waiting for good things to come to you, (laughs) you'll be waiting for a pretty long time. This is L.A. This is what we do. without a few people having your back. Chicago is my home, my love. It's our time. This is a story about my family, my team, my roots. This is a story of D. Rose. It's only the beginning. I'm all in. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to soundshoe.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. 
Once again, that's www.soundchew.com, the number one online music tournament. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the street. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spend it from school, to go home. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody, to the KIRP Radio Show. It's your boy, at symbol NC Pudgy on Twitter, and I'm rocking on the at symbol KIRP Radio Show. And I want to take this moment right now to welcome to the show the celebrity saver herself, Charlotte Holder from StretchingYourBudget.com. Doom, doom, doom. Charlotte, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Doing pretty good. I guess that introduction wasn't that great. I was trying to, like, you know, do better, but I work on it. I promise. Very good. It was it was just, it was just barely decent, right? But you know, hey. So how are you this evening? I'm special. You should always feel special, Charlie. Come on, man. You gotta you gotta perk up. It's time to do what you love. It's talking about saving money. I know. I'm always perky. <laughs> I should be right. I had but... two weeks off. <laughs> Yeah, you have had two weeks off, and, and from what I understand, you've been trailblazing, man. You've been traveling all over the world. Where have you been? I wish. Oh, we just went to the beach. We went to Sunset Beach, North Carolina, for um, nine or ten days, Friday to Sunday. So wow, it was really nice. That's awesome. So, nine or ten at the yeah. that's a long time to be at the beach. It was, but honestly, it went by so quick. Yeah, it always So, Yeah, but it was really nice. We had good weather, and the kids were pretty well behaved. That's always good on vacation. <laughs> so Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun. It's good to be back home, but I'm still tired. You know, parents always need a vacation after their vacation. <laughs> Thank you. See, I'm not by myself. There you go. We we yeah. need there should be a, a family vacation and then a just parent vacation. Individual. Exactly. Exactly. See, I would let my wife go on vacation first and, and me being how nice I am, I would go last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, we would have to do that because we can't, we don't have any family that will watch both of our kids together for a whole week. So <laughs> we would have to go individual vacation if we did it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a basketball team, so, you know, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. That's true. You've you got your own sports team. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you got to be prepared to be a coach and a chef and, and all that. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, who do you have for us this week? I know you have something good for us this week. I know you got something. <clears throat> you had to experience something at the beach, or maybe you've been storing something up. You can't. You couldn't just wait to put out there to all the listeners. I don't really have much, honestly. But I mean, I can always talk about saving at the beach and stuff. <clears throat> saving money. Well, it's summertime. So. <laughs> well, hey, right, it's, well, it's summertime, um, so I know a lot of folks who want to know. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, 
you know, for a few years now. But, um, you know, with vacations and summertime coming up, it's always, you know, hard to not spend a lot of money and want to just go and do whatever. But, um, you know, planning ahead is key for any vacation or any saving money, you know, any type of saving money. So we try to save up and pay for cash, um, pay our vacations for cash because you don't really want to come home and be living and paying for your vacation like several months later. So number one thing for, you know, saving money for vacation is, um, you know, do whatever you can in the in the few months before. Like we did um, a consignment sale that I participated in um, to try to, you know, make some extra cash, have a yard sale, whatever it is that you can do to find little outlets to save up some extra money so that you can just pay for your trip in cash. <clears throat> Another good thing to do is, you know, look at Groupon and Living Social. We've talked about those daily deal sites before. Um, but, you know, I've seen a lot of summer vacations on those this year. So if you, you know, you want to take a nice vacation, but you don't really have the money for it, um, you know, I've seen several beach vacations this year on the Daily Deal site that, um, you know, are anywhere between 70 and $99 for a night. So that's pretty mm-hmm. good for, you know, a beach vacation, um, beach day. So, you know, look for different ways that you can save money on booking your room and then, you know, saving up some extra cash before you go. Another thing that we do is um, we take a lot of food with us because I I coupon, I keep, you know, my stockpile, you know, pretty full. So I typically take um, two huge Rubbermaid containers full of, you know, canned and boxed foods, and then I take a big cooler of freezer and refrigerated foods. So I pretty much take down everything that we would need for the week, um, except for maybe milk and eggs because, you know, those don't really keep that well. So um, by doing that, I've saved, you know, a ton of money over time buying it because I've, you know, spent little to nothing for the the products that I've taken. Um, But it also saves me from having to, you know, run out to the grocery store as soon as I get there and fight the crowds and that kind of stuff. Um, and then what we'll do, because, you know, who wants to cook every single night? Not I. Um, so, you know, we pick, like, two or two nights a week that we'll go out and eat for dinner. So, you know, you have to always find a balance of splurge and save, um, because if you don't spend anything, then, you know, nine times out of ten, you're not going to have as much fun. You know, you just feel so constrained that, um, you know, you can't really enjoy yourself, and you need a break. Um if you're the one cooking. So that's what we do. And we take turns, you know, cooking each night. So it's not, and I choose easy meals. I'm not going to spend hours and hours cooking things. I mean, I'm going to do something that's easy. So, but, you know, by doing that, planning ahead, planning your meals out, I mean, I take just enough for each meal, breakfast, and we do sandwiches for lunch, and then, you know, pretty easy dinner. Um you know, that really allows us to save a ton of money. So many people go down to the beach just not caring. And being on vacation, they don't want to do any kind of cooking or anything like that. Um, and, you know, they're going to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner out. I mean, that's three meals a day times seven days if you're there a whole week. That gets super expensive, especially if you have a large family. Um, and to me, it's just not worth it. You know, yeah, I would like to go out and not you know, sit at home and, and cook all the time. But 
Um, it still allows us to have that good family time, and I would rather spend that money on something, you know, special versus food that you don't get to te- keep with you, you know, kind of goes away after a while. So, you know, you just, you have to, I've always said you have to find a balance for your family and what works for you, but those are just a few tips to help you save, um, you know, some extra money. And, you know, utilizing, if there's a pool at your facility, doing that, um, you've got the beach there if you're going to the beach, if you go to a water park, um, you know, whatever it is, just try to plan ahead. Another thing that I do really quick is, um, you know, if I know where we're going, like let's say the beach, and I know that there are certain stores or restaurants or whatever it might be that we know that we're going to go to, places that we've been before, we like to go. I always, before I go, I will go online and see if I can find coupons to those places. Um, so there's, you know, a favorite restaurant of ours that we love to go to. I went online and they had a coupon. I printed it out and took it with me and used it. Um, so even just that little thing, just that little, you know, 10 minutes of me planning ahead, trying to figure out, okay, this is where we want to go out to eat and looking for coupons before you go. I mean, it's super super simple. It takes just five minutes and you've, you're already saving money. You know, it doesn't make you feel bad for eating out. So um, those are just a few, four quick tips um, to help you guys hopefully have a debt-free vacation. Because um, like I say, you don't really want to go and come home and be paying for a vacation until Christmas. So um, just a few, few ideas. And I mean, you know, we went for nine days, and we probably spent a total of, like, $650, including our room, food, gas, and everything for, like, nine days. So, nice. Um, yeah, it's totally nice. doable. I'm, yeah. I mean, people, you know, you don't think um, that you can do it, but it's totally, totally doable. And, you know, it's just it's all about how much you want to save, how much you want to then while you're on vacation, what's important to you? <laughs> so. Well, what's important to me is, and I appreciate that advice too, because I'll, I always take you guys' advice, and it's actually helped us since my wife has been couponing and since you've been on the show and since we've been doing this. It's actually helped mm-hmm. a lot uh, when we when we go, you know, when we take family vacation, and it's helped a lot to be able to save money, so. I appreciate it, and I know there's several thousand people out there who appreciate what you what you're giving us, Charlotte. So, big shout out to you. Thank you. I mean, you know, I hope it's they sound like simple duh steps, you know, little things that sound like common sense, but most people don't take the time to do them. You know, you're like afterthought. It's like, oh man, I should have done that. You know, um, so hopefully, it just sparks like a reminder in in people and. You know, let you, you let you all know that it's totally easy um, to save. I mean, even if you're talking about, you know, saving fifteen twenty dollars. Um, I mean, for example, and I'm really bad about doing this and try not to, but you know, we went and got gas at a big store. I'll just say that that they're having, um, you know, like ten cents off a gallon right now. Um, one of the national stores. And um, so we just took, it was like 30 minutes for us to drive from the North Carolina to South Carolina line where we were at. Well, of course, in South Carolina, there's their sales tax is a lot less on gas. 
Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. we drove in and, and did some planned some stuff during that day. So we went ahead and got our gas. So we got the ten cents off a gallon plus the like no sales tax or you know low sales tax thing. And so even there, I saved you know, I know it was probably thirty cents a gallon difference between states between my ten cents nice. and the state. So thirty cents a gallon times seventeen gallons, you know. You do the math. So even little things like that, just planning ahead, like I knew that that was going on, and um, you know, just planning my day around that, so it wasn't a wasted trip. Saved, you know. So it's just little things here and there that takes just a few extra steps. Um, and if you just do that and think ahead, then you know you're going to save. It adds up all the little things that you do. So. Well, it is that time of the evening where I must say goodbye. And I'm sad because I'm proud of Charlotte for coming on here tonight. I mean, I am because you didn't drop that name of that big chain who has that 10 cents gas off right now. And I'm proud of you for that. I'm proud of you for that. I'm getting better. I should know that because on my website, you know, we don't do much unless I'm getting paid for it. No, man. We, I'm sorry. Listen, listen. I love free stuff. It's hard Charity to do when you're talking. It is. You used to ramble when you're speaking about stuff. I learned from NASCAR, man. If if they're not if their sticker ain't on the website, we ain't broadcasting it. But you know, it is what it is. Exactly. Shout out to you for that. Appreciate all the information that you got out to people <laughs> out there. And uh, Charlotte, I must ask you before you go, even though you know, do you have any shout outs? Um, this is kind of a funny shout out, but I have to give a shout out to my dad because, and you may have seen this on my Facebook page, but I hit a skunk the other night in my car the next morning, smelled so bad, (laughs) it was disgusting, and my dad took it, like, all day and got the smell out, he, it was amazing, so a shout out to my dad this weekend for getting the stink out of my car. (laughs) A very, very big, stinky shout-out to your dad for getting rid of that skunk for you. Yuck! Oh, bad. <laughs> Charlotte, till next week, man. Always love to you. Sounds good. Have a good week. All right, have a good night. That was Charlotte from StretchingYourBudget.com. You guys, make sure you tune in. Check her website out, man. She always has some uh, some great information and Always a lot of knowledge on how to save money and a little bit more frugal. You know, we're all about our capitalism on this show. If you don't like capitalism, we probably don't like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could fight for charity, but, you know, not for real. I don't want to fight nobody. But anyway, you're listening to the KRP Radio Show. And, okay, to all my conservatives, I love y'all, but let me get you mad. The number one black conservative talk radio show, Southeastern United States. Maybe not all conservatives, but, you know. People get mad at me for that, but it is what it is. This is my ministry, and this is my show, KRP Radio Show. We'll be right back with a feature guest, the man of the hour. We're going to talk about some NSA. We're going to talk about his book, The Robin Hood of D.C. Joe Copeland, man, we'll be right back. You listen to the KRP Radio Show, 619-638-8559. Hit number one if you got a comment, and we will happily ignore you. Backstabbers, OJs, right back after this commercial break.
switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Seicherie is an online indie department store born with the ideology, community, and self. We believe that a garment or accessory created by an independent designer can do more for our community on a deeper level. The ability to wear someone's imagination is a beautiful event. Purchasing independent means wearing something unique while supporting those around you. The designers you support could very well be your neighbors, friends, and family. Embrace your indie state of mind. Shop indie. www.dechri.com. Day Cherie. For all your trucking needs, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. That's Allen's Trucking LLC, owner Brian Allen and BA Welding Incorporated. For all your trucking or your welding needs or transportation needs across the country, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their number is 919-426-5455. Again, 919-426-5455. If you have transportation needs and you need to get your equipment there on time, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone, inspire you to take action, be risky, and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industries. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, celebrity chef Nikki Shaw, teen and family producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. TiffanyInc.com 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800 442 Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show. I don't know if you like what you've been hearing, but uh, there's been a lot going on in the news. I'm just going to jump right into this. Our guest for tonight, my man, Joe Cookless. Joe's the fa- Joe founded GSP Consulting, a predecessor to Dwayne Morris Government Strategies in February of 2001. And in that time, he's grown DMGS from two employees to 28 nationwide. That's that's pretty big right there. With offices in Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, Ohio, New Jersey. And uh, during that time, DMGS has helped to raise more than half a billion dollars for its clients while tracking some of D.C.'s most difficult political issues. And, and, and that's amazing. From tackling some of D.C.'s most political issues, excuse me, prior to establishing GSP, Joe was the Deputy State Director for U.S. Senator Rick Santorum. Shout out to Rick Santorum, baby! In, in that capacity, Joe was the senator primary point of contact in Pennsylvania for community and economic development groups, municipal and state leaders, and trade associations. Joe is somebody that is somewhat of a hero, a hero to a lot of us out there, to a lot of people who are on the ground, a lot of grassroots organizations, a lot of people who really understand what's going on in politics today. This man gets it. So, uh, welcome to the show, Joe Cookless, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you very much for having me this evening. Absolutely, man, and, and, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, I'm just going to jump into it, Joe. Uh, the Robin Hood of D.C., i got to talk about that before before we talk about these national headlines and this mainstream news and the NSA and, and immigration. The Robin Hood of D.C., what in the world? Made you write a book <laughs> called The Robin Hood of DC. <laughs> well, somebody like me would, I guess. It was it was a memorialization of my 11 years of entrepreneurship in the government realm. We did a, uh, we ran up a company as you mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, used to be called GSP Consulting, and then recently we merged it into an international law firm uh, based in Philadelphia called Dwayne Morris to create Dwayne Morris Government Strategies. But uh, it was really the journey and the memorialization of that journey. Uh, of starting a company that focused on helping small to medium-sized businesses and nonprofit organizations and helping them navigate the government marketplace. Um, And uh, one of my uh, competitors once referred to us as a flash in the pan. They're the Robin Hood of D.C. Uh, And he meant it as as an insult, but really, you know, I took it as a compliment because it was really what we were trying to do. We were helping the little guys, those folks that couldn't navigate the halls and walls of Congress on their own, didn't have the in-house capacity to do what we could do for them, and it was for our our purposes a way of of growing the marketplace for those government affairs people doing things like you mentioned, grassroots uh, lobbying, uh, whether it was you know grant writing or contract procurement or you know developing their own uh, you know businesses. We were there to help them with federal, state, and local government affairs. Nice, I mean, and and that's huge for people who are on the ground because I mean, let's face it, a lot of people who care about the issues and who are trying to do things just can't get to D.C. You know, they just don't have the means to or the time to do it. That's right. And if they were to get there, they wouldn't really know how to to do it. You know, a lot of these folks are excellent at their jobs. Whether they're a CEO of a company or an executive director of a nonprofit organization, they're experts in doing what they do best. And what we are is a service provider to them. In fact, GSP used to stand for government service providers. That's where we got the name. It was providing that service to folks uh, that couldn't do it 
in-house. Uh, they needed to have folks like us that understood how Congress worked, understood how their governor's mansion worked and their state legislature, uh, and they would hire us to help them with whatever problem they had. So I liken it a lot to, you know, if you end up in court, you take a lawyer. If you end up in front of the IRS, you take your attorney. Um, but if you're going to go into government in some capacity, you need to find a lobbyist in a group like ours that can help you navigate that government marketplace. Nice. And, and, and just to follow up that, too, I was going to, you know, I, I wanted to talk about the book, but I also found your business pretty interesting. What, what, Joe, what, Joe, what would make people uh, hire a company like GSP? Like, you know, what, what kind of things would people be into that would make them have to hire a group like GSP or, or DMGS? Yeah, it would, it would be pretty much any company that has to interface with government. We have you know, companies that are as big as two guys in the basement with a business plan that just spun out of a university all the way up to a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company that needs representation in Washington, D.C. or a state capital. Um, you know, and it, it really is an eclectic group. I mean, it depends on what their needs are, uh, but we've built an umbrella organization that can serve them in a variety of those capacities. So if you are a nonprofit organization uh, and you're trying to fund a new program that helps, you know, uh, build playrooms and hospitals for kids. Uh, sometimes you're raising private money to do that, and oftentimes you're looking to government to help with uh, that programming effort as well. Sometimes that means money. Other times that means uh, assistance with the project or, um, you know, the exposure in some way, shape, or form. Uh, other times you're a technology company and you've built the, the next best widget and you want to sell it to the Department of Transportation or you want to sell it to the Department of Defense, it's being able to get on the right vendor lists and open the right doors uh, in the halls of walls of Congress and with federal and state departments and agencies. Uh, and so it really is, uh, you know, it does span the globe. Uh, it, it basically is anybody that wants to interface with government, our job is there to, to help them do that. Beautiful. I, I, and I'm glad you, you know, you spoke uh, really in the extent of what you do because, you know, lobbyists and, and groups like yours get such a bad rap. And no one talks about the everyday practices or the everyday interaction that, you know, small businesses or, or just everyday individuals have to make and have to deal with the government. You know, no one really talks about that. It seems that lobbyists just get such a bad rap. You know, how do you feel about that, Joe? You know, we do, uh, and sometimes it's deserved. There are a few folks that have gone, uh, you know, across the line and have done some things that, uh, you know, make news uh, in a real negative way for us. But 90 or 95 percent of us are here to provide a service to folks in the same way, you know, that I mentioned earlier, that a lawyer would provide or an accountant would provide. Uh, and, you know, there are some bad movers in our business, and, and that happens from time to time, but it happens in everybody's business. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you hear about it in hours, it gets blown up and protracted uh, in, in a way where, you know, it's going to make the news because we're doing something to influence the public domain, and therefore you're, you're dealing with public money, taxpayer money, mm -hmm. uh, or you're dealing with uh, the abuse of power. Uh, and so folks will hear about these junkets and things like that. But, you know, in all honesty, my clients rarely engage in that kind of activity. You know, we, uh, you know, ask them to, you know, to, to stand down in many of those respects. And, you know, we, we are there as domain experts helping them navigate the government and doing it in the right and lawful ways as opposed to some of the folks that might push uh, influence peddling uh, in a way that uh, yeah. they'll influence the outcome of something. Nice. And, and that, that's pretty big, too. 
There's a lot of people pushing the outcome of a lot of things right now, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, speaking more on your book, uh, you had a I underlined something that you said a couple of times here in the book. It says uh, lobbying is a lot like a game of chess. You know, could you could you speak to that? Sure. You know, um, in my realm, uh, our uh, you know our efforts are really a strategic and tactical, and it reminds me a lot of playing chess. And in order to win, uh, you've got to outsmart your opponent. Um, and folks oftentimes will have the right cause or have the right meaning, and Part of what we do is helping them to understand how the chessboard works and how all the pieces on the chessboard move when you get to a place like D.C. So it's really simple blocking and tackling. You know, it's understanding where the legislators are, what they're responsible to do, how their staffs can help, and really doing that day-to-day stuff for them, providing them with that service. And then it's the tactical stuff where how do we get your success? How do we win for you? Uh, And it's understanding what it is that your goals are, understanding what the parliamentarian aspects are that are in front of you. How do you move a bill? How do you stop a bill from moving? How do you kill a bill? Or how do you how do you write a better proposal for that grant or a better RFP response for that contract? It's understanding all of those nuances, and it's wrapping those together. And in my world, it's really taking someone like me who has a deep political Rolodex and matching it up with a team that has a domain expertise that can do those things for our clients. And that's the strategy and tactic. So when it's important that a legislator is involved to be a legislative champion for you, that's my job. I've got him or her there to do that. While I have folks on my team that are former grant writers or former procurement officers or someone that's worked in the White House or worked in the legislative office that understands how things are done so that my client's uh, goals are met by the end of the contract. Sure. And and I I like that, too. I I was reading on, on page 146. It says, uh, at the top, it says, telling your own government affairs strategy. But you, you said some pretty profound things in there. And one thing that uh, stood out in my mind is something that I feel like would work for anyone. And, you know, I, I'm always, I guess some people would call it cross-branding, but I'm always taking something from, you know, one realm of my life and bringing it to another realm and applying it, you know, where it fits. And, and you know, here's something that I feel like you did, and I just wanted to put it out there. I, I'm not sure if you remember this specifically, but... It says uh, your goals will be ever-changing, and knowing what you want to accomplish will help you set your priorities for your own advocacy efforts. Now, you know, I, I, don't, I can't just speak on just political things, but, you know, if you run any kind of business or, or maybe you're going to school or, you know, just going through life, you know, your focus changes a lot. You know, you have a, you, maybe you accomplish one goal, and then you move on, and you set another goal, and that might change. So, you know, just reading that, man, I, I thought I would copy that, and I was going to put that out on my Twitter and uh, give you a shout-out on that, man, because I, I thought that was pretty big. But I, I guess my question to you is, you know, where where was your head uh, when you wrote that? Well, it was in a couple of places. Um, you know, the book is really designed as, as, as the first part of it is really a memorialization and a celebration of a successful business. Uh, the other part mm-hmm. of the book is really a how-to guide for folks that need to interface with government but might not be able to afford the services of a lobbyist. So it's really, you know, a, a do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of suggestions and case studies that if you read through them, you'll understand where other people have made mistakes or give you ideas for things that you can do well. You know, I know a lot of your listeners are involved in general grassroots campaigns, uh, and there's certain advocacy things that they can be engaged in to enhance their success. And I think that what I was trying to suggest is, know what it is that you want before 
you're coming to someone like me. You know, understand what you want as the end game and explain that to me so that I know what I'm doing to win that end game for you. Or if you can't afford someone like me uh, and you're going to do it on your own, make sure you know what that is and, and just focus on that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come to me that over the course of their contract, you know, the target changes. And you're always chasing something for a couple of months, and then it's the next thing, and it's the next thing. And we haven't accomplished number one yet. And I think that focus and understanding where you need to go from point A to point B uh, is really important. So whether it is a business or whether it is your grassroots campaign or whether you're doing traditional lobbying in D.C. or your state capital, you know, understanding what you want to get out of that effort, I think, up front is important so you know how to build a successful plan to get there. Oh, yeah. I like that. Love that. Uh, on the air with Joe Cuckless, GSP Consulting, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, the man's all over the place, Ohio, New Jersey, doing a B.I.G. And uh, Joe, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, man. Um, Rick sure. Santorum, are we going to get a Rick Santorum to run again? I think so. You know, I, I haven't talked to him in a few months about it, but I know that it's in his head. Uh, I think that he really? also, um, yeah, you know, here, look. Here's a guy who won 11 states. I mean, people forget that already. He's already he was he came in number two. Um, you know, and yeah, if you go back over Republican history of the last 30 years, the number two is oftentimes the heir apparent. Uh, now I know that this is a little different because I think some other folks that might have been on the farm team a couple of you know 12, 15 months ago or two years ago would have never started to run. I think you're going to see folks like Rubio and Nikki Haley and um, some other names that may pop up. Uh, as part of that, and there'll be fresh faces as part of it, but, you know. But I think Rick's strategy four years ago is going to be Rick's strategy, you know, uh, three years from now, and that is making sure that he builds strong grassroots organizations in places like Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, those early Republican primary states. And he was able to, you know, to to do well in those. I mean, he came, he won Iowa, uh, and no one expected that. Uh, and I think that you know, there's only a couple of tickets that get punched, maybe three. Once you get out of Iowa and you head to New Hampshire, and that changes things. And Rick is now no longer a dark horse. People know who he is um, and, and what, he, what he's there to do. Uh, and if they want him as uh, you know, the next president, then I think that there's going to be an early bandwagon for them to get on, where maybe four years ago Rick was that guy that was the outside chance. He, he was the 100-to-1 guy. Uh, and now it's, yeah. it's not like that. Now he's going to be center stage, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Well, I, I met Rick Santorum, Rick Santorum, excuse me, Jesus. I met Rick Santorum a couple of times, and we had some pizza together. And, and um, you know, he was tired, man, and it was late, and, and you know, he, he was a regular guy. He was a regular dude, and I appreciated that. You know, he wasn't some super polished uh, fly-by-night, you know, someone that's GOP vetted that doesn't understand what everyday Americans go through. And, uh, you know, I, I got that from TV, and I got that from him, you know, right in my face. And, and I appreciated that. And he had already had my vote, but he definitely won my vote and support on that night So at, at a media bash down there. So definitely shout out to Rick Santorum, man. What do you think about a VP? If we could get a Santorum ticket going, it'd be Santorum and who? I don't want to get you in oh, trouble. Oh, jeez. Oh, you're asking me a question I can't, I can't answer. I mean, if you're asking it for, for Joe from the heart, it's going to be a different answer from Joe from the head. I mean, I think if Rick were to be a presidential <laughs> candidate, you know, Rick's going to have to look for someone who's a, a little bit more moderate, you know, maybe someone who will bring him <laughs> the side of the party and some crossover votes 
that that will help him, uh, you know, with uh, some of the, the the less competitive states, places where he needs to do better. Um, even Pennsylvania being one of them. I mean, he, last time he ran here statewide, yeah. he, he he lost pretty big to Senator Casey. Um, you know, but keeping those states in play, there may need to be someone out there who's a little different than he is. Uh, and I think that you know that's again my head. Now, who that is, I don't know. I've never had that conversation with him. Uh, but I, I would say that if that's for me, that maybe where I'd be reaching out to. I, I can also see Rick doing something that's unconventional. Rick has always been, you know, someone who's, who has tried to grow the Big Ten of the Republican Party. So I can see him reaching out to a woman. I can see him reaching out to an African-American or Hispanic-American. Those are the kind of groundbreaking things and, frankly, surprises that you're going to get from a guy like Rick. I mean, Rick is, has always had great political timing and instinct. And uh, I think, you know, as the Republicans licked their wounds from the last election uh, here last November, they might want to look at somebody different, someone who might not be mainstream or someone that's outside of D.C. Uh, to really take, a, you, know, a, a, you know, maybe a VP uh, shot with a guy like Rick. Well, a lot of my friends like him, and uh, <laughs> I don't know about the VOP. I mean, I'm sorry, the VP, but, you know, give us some time. You never know what might happen, man. It's, it's one thing I can say about the political climate right now and, and for the past few years at least is it's, it's been crazy <laughs> and that's putting in mind yeah, to say the least right? yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah you never know what might happen and, and and speaking on that um you know while i got you on here we're gonna take a break here in about six minutes then we'll get more into the immigration but i just want to nsa uh what, what do you think about this edward snowden man this they got him on uh espionage charges and, and they're talking about extraditing this guy and and he's a terrorist to some people. And what do you think about all this stuff? Well, you know, it's a it's it's pretty crazy uh, to think about it. I mean, in part, if anything he's saying is correct, you know, and I, I try to not be the you know the guy that you know is always the conspiracy theory guy or the guy that's railing against big government. But some of the things that he is professing are actually true. We may have gone over <laughs> the lines. Uh, that said, what he did and the way he did it as a whistleblower and now doing this publicly and trying to, you know, uh, get, gain fame from it uh, is really just, it's, it's awkward and it's not good for anybody. And I think that, you know, what I likened it to last week when I, I had a similar conversation is I, I have never seen Dianne Feinstein and Dick Cheney say the same thing about the same person. So they, someone's going to be right. <laughs> you know, they were all the same, you know, the same team on that one. And, uh, you know, it's oh, it's funny God. when they both are calling him, you know, a, a treasonous terrorist. And uh, I, I really, at that point, I realized, you look, this is bigger than just, you know, a single whistleblower. This is something that's going to yeah. move the needle. Here's a guy who's an ex-vice president, an ex, you know, Department of Defense Secretary, you've got you know a um, senior Democrat, uh, you know in in Feinstein from California, who's on uh, some of the right committees, saying the same thing. There was there was no middle ground here, uh, and I think that the guy's really gone um, beyond what a traditional whistleblower would do, and I think he might have stepped into that area that you know that word treason that no one likes to use, um, you know, and now he's running. I, I guess he bounced out of. Uh, Hong Kong on, on his way to Moscow, and tomorrow he's in Ecuador or something like that. I, I don't know how they're tracking this guy, what they're doing, but uh, you know, that's uh, it's an interesting story that's that's going to be worth tracking and seeing how it uh, winds itself down here in the next couple of days or weeks or months. Joe, this is this is the real life Jason Bourne. 
This is what's going on here. Like we, we never. <laughs> this is enemy of the state meets Jason Bourne, but the difference is it's real life and it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. You know, I, I, th- I thought these were movies, but you know, we're really talking about enemy of the state with Will Smith and Jason Bourne with uh, I forget his name. So Matt Damon. Yeah. Let's just yeah Matt, Matt Damon, Damon. Yeah. So let's just wait. Yeah, Matt Damon. That's right. So let's just wait and see what happens because. It, it seems like China didn't want to play ball with this, and now Russia doesn't want to play ball with this. So I guess he's headed to uh, Ecuador. I, I, who knows? You know, who knows what's going to come of this? But we all know that it's bigger than what we thought it was. You know, I thought it was just a, a story that maybe someone was pushing the envelope because, you know, we have a tendency to do that. And I thought the envelope was being pushed. But this this is a lot bigger than what I ever imagined. So we, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yep, and I think the question was, you know, is the NSA doing what he says they're doing? And if they are, you know, how do we reform the system so those things don't happen again? But giving away, you know, the trade secrets to the Chinese, to the Russians, to the Taliban, to whomever is is not the way to go about whistleblowing, you know? And and the guy just um, really went to an extreme uh, to to do that, and uh, I don't think there's any coming back from that. No, I and I agree with you, man. When you when you when you're a proven, when it's proven and you've agreed to it, you're talking about treason. That spells trouble, man. And and, and I think that's penalty by death, isn't it? It could. Oh wow. We'll see what happens. Going to the nine o'clock break, Jay. Uh, Joe, you gonna stay with us for a little bit? Want to get into this immigration, if you don't mind? Certainly, sir. All right, we'll be right back. You're rocking with the KIRPRadioShow.com, 619-638-8559. Make sure you guys hit us up. We'll be right back with my man Joe Cookless, the author of the book, The Robin Hood of D.C. We'll be right back after these messages. Talking about immigration. Bucks, the girls play a hot shot. I gotta go, gotta get to the tech spot. Refund, check five G's. I've seen a blue drop. So I'm a- could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany. Nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism, nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government, 2 million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on. And on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. 
as a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the life ever. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music tournament. Some people say good things come to those who wait. Truth is, good things come to those who work. Who work later. And work harder. You're willing to go farther than anyone else to get them. If you're waiting for good things to come to you, (laughs) you'll be waiting for a pretty long time. This is L.A. This is what we do.
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, after that 9 o'clock break. This segment is brought to you by ASP, WM3G, and Patriot Printing. Folks, the weather in North Carolina is as follows. Get your raincoats ready. Get your umbrellas ready because it will be raining on your head. Monday, high of 88, 69, thunderstorms all day long with a 40% chance of rain. Tuesday and Wednesday, both at 90 degrees, storms all day, folks. 88% chance of rain. Wednesday is going to clear up just a little bit towards the evening into Thursday, 96 degrees with the low of 70 degrees, cloudy, and back again on Friday, 91 degrees with a, looks like a 38% chance of rain. That means it's going to rain, folks. You know, the weatherman can't never get it uh, all the way right. So, you know, just bring an umbrella just in case. We got a rainy weekend in the triad in North Carolina and the triangle down here in North Carolina. And that segment of weather was brought to you by WM3G, stop it, WM3G, ASP, and also by Patriot Printing. Uh, this story here with uh, Nelson Mandela, former president, um, is in critical condition, excuse me, the former president of South Africa took a turn for worse, and he's in critical condition today as he continues to battle with the lung infection. According to a statement from South African pre- the pres- South African pre- President's Office, Jesus, I cannot talk, what is it? I'm hungry. The doctors are doing everything possible to get his condition to improve and also are ensuring that Mandela is well looked after and is comfortable. Uh, he's also in good hands, says Jacob Zuma, uh, South, South Af- his uh, tri- tribal nickname. Excuse me, I, I didn't understand that. I don't know who wrote the story. But anyway, Mandela has been listed in serious but stable condition, and he's been in the hospital since June 8th. He's 94 years old. Nobel Peace Prize, a legitimate Nobel Peace Prize winner. I know my my realists know what I'm getting at, and uh, he, he's right now being looked looked after very closely, and they will keep us posted as on the hour. And and that was just a poorly written story, but Mandela's sick, folks, and and our prayers goes out to him. He's a very old guy, man, who's lived a long life, and he's done some amazing things throughout his life. So maybe we can take a page from that and and let him be our champion and, and maybe lead. Uh, some positive things in our life. Uh, moving on to a little bit of celebrity news. James Gandolfini dies, man. Sopranos. You guys know who that is, right? The Sopranos. Come on. You, Nicole, you know who that is, right? Who is that on The Sopranos? What's his name? Come on, Tony Soprano. You guys are true Sopranos fans. But anyway, James Gildafini dies, and, and man, at 51 years old, they said he had a heart attack, a fatal heart attack uh, in Rome, and autopsy found that a heart attack was brought on by natural causes. Uh, Gildafini's feet the day before his death, sightseeing in Rome and, and just having a good time. He toured the Vatican with his 13-year-old son, Michael, before enjoying an outdoor meal, and uh, they waited for Gildafini's sisters to arrive, sister to arrive. Uh, before they announced his death to the remainder of the family. Uh, this man was a brilliant actor. I mean, it, it wasn't just The Sopranos that he, that he was in. He was in, he's been an actor for over 25, 30 years, and, and if not more. And uh, he's done some of my favorite films, uh, even even if I don't know the name of him. But I, I like the film where he was the warden in the military prison. I cannot remember the name of that, but it's one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, now I get an O in the studio. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, last but not least in, in this news brought to you by Patriot Printing, ASP, and WM3G, 
Paula Dean drops the end bomb. Whoa, she's in trouble. Man, Paula Dean lost the job and she apologized and she was crying and I'm sure she went home and cooked a whole lot of food, probably a whole lot of fried food. And I feel sorry for Paula Dean, man, because you know, one thing that that I realized is that we all say things that in in the heat of the moment, or when we're upset or when we're mad or or whatever, right? But they're killing this woman. I mean, people are it's it's people that use the same terms and that say the same words and that that are always hypocritical of these people when they when they make mistakes or they make errors or whatnot. Listen, at the end of the day, she made a mistake. Okay, the mic was on once again, but you know it, it happens. You know it is what it is. I'm, I'm not calling the lady a bigot. I'm not giving her the pass. I don't care. I just hate to see people lose everything behind a verbal error. If she beats somebody up like Chris Brown and you all give Chris Brown a pass for it, you know, I'm not going to get into that again because I got some death threats behind that on the show. But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I see if she beat somebody up and beat them to a pulp, but she didn't. She dropped the N-bomb and uh, let's face it, a lot of people use the N-bomb on a daily basis. She just got caught out there at it and now you guys got on noose. But uh, anyway, this brought to you by WM3G, Patriot Printing, and well, ASP, sorry, All Services Pro. Uh, I'm very sloppy tonight, folks, because I'm producing the show myself. I got minimum help in here with Nicole, and Nicole just sucks. I mean, she's like, okay, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't suck. I, I suck, and I'm trying to do this myself. But anyway, we got to get back to our favorite guest of the evening, man, my man, Joe Cutler, author of the book, the Robin Hood of D.C., an insider's guide to the government marketplace for small to medium organizations. Joe's the founder of the organization GSP, uh, predecessor to the DMGS, and uh, he's been doing this for quite a while, and this man has it all wrapped up. He also worked as the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the state director for Centorum, uh, Senator Santorum in Pennsylvania. And uh, Joe, we're going to welcome you back to the show, man, and get your mic on here. Welcome back oh, to the show. You, I hope I didn't butcher you, your information too bad, right? Did I get that correct, State Director? You did. You were right on target. Okay. Yeah, my memory, I'm getting old or something. I don't know what is the dementia <laughs> setting in or maybe it's past endeavors. I smoked a lot of weed in the previous life. It could be that. I don't I don't know what it is. I hope <laughs> I don't smoke anymore though, Joe. I'm I'm clean, man. I've been clean for a very long time. I got kids. Jeez. <sighs> yeah, I believe you. It's I okay. Is, yeah, I, I don't. I I, I inhaled though. I, I'm not gonna tell that lie like you know some president that I'm not gonna name on the show right now. But, you know, <laughs> I inhaled. Any anyway, let me let me get off that. All right, we're gonna reset this, restart. Immigration has been a hot topic right now throughout the nation. Stop laughing at me, Nicole. Immigration has been a hot topic throughout the nation right now, and you know we got the gang of eight. Lindsey Graham is heading that up. South Carolina, you know, they need 70 votes in the Senate. Listen, is it going to happen? And if it does happen, Joe, what are we what 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 are we facing if it is passed? Well, you know, I, I think there's a there's a few things here, and it's a big if if it is passed uh, because it does look like it's going to win resoundingly in the Senate. Uh, I think the, the Gang of Eight and the folks over there have done a, a pretty good job of. Of uh, of making this you know a uh, an issue that you know transcends 
Republican versus Democrat. Uh, and you're right. I mean, you mentioned 70 <laughs> votes. I think that's their goal. You know, they want to put their stamp on this. Uh, but then it goes to the House, you know, and the House is a different animal altogether. And I think Boehner's in a situation over there, uh, which uh, this makes it difficult for him. I mean, you've got a situation where if he's going to try to live up to the Denny Hastert rule, which is, you know, thou shalt not pass any legislation that doesn't have majority Republican interests in mind, you know, more than likely he'll spike it. You know what I mean? But then he also has to take a look at it and say, I am the leader of the House here as Speaker, and I've got the majority of my members, which include Democrats and Republicans alike, that would like to see this at least go to the floor for a vote. Um, so you wrap that into it, and he's got a little bit of a, a problem there. He's going to have to decide what he wants to do. You know, and he's got the, the, the Tea Party faction of the Republican Party that does not want this to move forward. Uh, and I think that uh, those are the folks that put him in that speaker role. And if he abandons that, he may not be speaker uh, for much longer. That said, he also knows that as a good Republican, the Republicans got waxed in the last election. Yeah. Uh, and 70% of Hispanics voted for Obama. And in order to bring them yep. to the Republican Party or bring them back, uh, he can't leave them high and dry on this issue. And I don't envy the position he's in, uh, and I think that this is going to be a real difficult political situation for him uh, to see where this goes. Uh, you, you know, and, and, and now it's, it's even taking a twist because they got this Holden Corker Amendment attached to this thing to try to it, – it's like a peace amendment to look at it to try to uh, make it better. But it, it's made it worse, you know. You got the CBO talking about it's not really going to be better after this is passed. They're saying in 10 years it's going to be like, what, 10 million, still going to be 10 million illegal aliens in the country. And, you know, they want to spend 40 more dollars with, with more border control. I, I think the number was 40 million. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's getting kind of crazy in the terms of the Republican Party. The GOP sounds like and seems like they will be split down the middle from this, even when it dies in the House. We we come let's let's be serious, Joe. You and I both know this thing is gonna die in the house. At, at least I feel like it is. Okay, in my bones I feel strongly that this thing is gonna die in the house. But I, you know, with this Holden Corker amendment, and you're talking about 1,200 pages of a bill, isn't this the same thing that the GOP goers were complaining about with Obamacare? Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, and not only that, I'm sure that most of them haven't read all 1,200 pages of it before they vote on it Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, and on the Senate side, I think that the, um, you know, what it really comes down to is, it, you're right, it is, it's an amendment to try to appease Republican voters to say, look, we understand that securing our borders is important. Uh, you know, because, I, I, again, the philosophy here is a little different. I mean, we, I think that the Republicans would love to see the border secured. I, I think that it's a joke that folks are trying to pretend that they are. Uh, we wouldn't be in the situation we were in or, or continue to be in if they were. Uh, you know, the, the wall that was supposed to be built under the Bush administration still isn't built. You know, we've got all sorts of problems along that border, and now with uh, the most realistic, especially in the last 18 months, with some of the activity down there with the Department of Justice and Fast and Furious, um, it's an ugly situation, you know, and they're right. It's going to take time to build a wall. It's going to take time to hire new agents and train them and put them on the border. You know, these are things that don't happen overnight. Uh, and then, you know, I think ultimately uh, the Democrats are in a situation where they don't want to come across as being uh, too uh, complicit uh, in making that happen. Yeah. They, they, they want to see the amnesty piece of this, uh, and that's the expensive piece. 
you know, how do you handle that? I mean, we, you can't deport 11 million people by the same token. On the amnesty side, do you, do you let people that are in the country illegally for decades in some instances get immediate citizenship? Do they go to the front of the line or the back of the line in the naturalization process? I think the one good thing that comes out of this is there will be, you know, the, you know, the fact that, you know, we'll be, we'll be finally addressing the problem and doing it, um, you know, in such a public way. I think it's, it's important that this is debated and addressed, but I agree with you. I mean, I think, I think it dies in the House. I, I think both parties scramble to their base and say we did everything we could. Uh, but I think the Republicans, you know, get a little bloody on this one. I mean, the, the, the Hispanic vote uh, that's important and continues to grow is going to want to see something here. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Boehner is, is in a world of trouble with this one. And, and, and speaking on Boehner, he said uh, he said it's border security and confidence that uh, that that we'll have all the borders secure before we get down to addressing the path to it all, uh, you know, illegal issues and illegal immigration issues. And you know, that statement uh, spoke very loud to a lot of Republicans, and and a lot of people really don't believe that he's going to be on board with killing this thing. Now, a lot of people think that he's for it. And, but whether he's for it or against it, you know, whether you and I believe in immigration or we believe in amnesty or, or the fact that they're addressing it now, because personally I never thought that the American government government was serious about border control or, or illegal immigration control, period. I, I never felt like we were serious about it. And I, and I kind of still don't. But the, the main thing is, I'm, I'm asking you this one question, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people would like to know, do you think it would work? You know, besides what you personally know about immigration and amnesty, do you think if it was implemented, do you think it would work? Uh, truthful answer is probably not. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think around the fringes it would, and what I mean by that is, it'll address some of the illegal stuff. Uh, it'll address some of the border stuff. If some of this stuff does get passed, sure, we will see a heightened, or at least a commitment on paper to have a heightened uh, level of security around the border. But is that window dressing? You know, we've seen and heard that in the past. We haven't had serious immigration reform in many years. Uh, you know, and, you know, uh, looking at this, I haven't read the whole 1,200 pages. I don't know what's in there. I can't tell you what we think, uh, you know, is going to happen on all this stuff. It really depends on who's sitting on top of it and enforcing it. You know, and do these people that we're offering amnesty to, if this were to pass, do they get in line? Do they finally play ball? Do they become taxpayers? Are they paying into the system that they've been abusing for all these years? And what kind of penalties are that? I mean, you know, this is a – I mean, look, my family are immigrants. Everybody that's come to this country in one form or another have immigrated here. So it needs to be – it still needs to be a melting pot. But the truth is, you know, and I heard Dennis Miller say this one time at a, at a, at a, as, a, as a comedic line, but he's like, look, I signed the guest book on your way in. You know, and all you're doing is asking them to play by rules, uh, and they would allow that to happen. And, and I think some of these folks, it might be realistically impossible to get them to return to their country and then come back. So while they're here, how do we do this? But they've got, I mean, I think the, the, the popular line is, you know, to get them to go to the back of the line and start the process there. There's no, this doesn't happen overnight where you're a naturalized citizen. You've got to go through the process, okay. learn the language, learn the history, take the classes, do the time, put that in, uh, and then become naturalized. And I think that, again, just takes some time, and it's got to be a willingness in that community to do that. Um, you know, and my guess is that, 
you know, parts of it work and parts of it don't. And we'll be back here in five or ten years trying to address it and, and reform it to, to make it better. Man, you read my mind. That's exactly how I feel about it, 100, 1,000%. That's how I feel about it. It's smoke and mirrors. It's a political issue, and they have to talk about it because it's kind of the elephant in the room outside of all these scandals that are going on. And, and I know President Obama's got to be happy as hell. Woo, he, got, he get to talk about something different for a change, man, outside yeah. of a government scandal. Oh, man, he... He was jumping to the to the podium to get that mic to talk about this stuff, man. This is a breeze for him, you know. Jeez. That that's right. He he, he the, could disappear to Europe for a couple of weeks and come back to this issue, yeah. and, and we'll forget about the IRS. Absolutely, man. They don't want to face that stuff with the, with the Fast and the Furious and the IRS and the NSA. This stuff is. They got a lot of scandals coming out of, uh, under under his leadership. I'll say it like that. Whether it's directly out of the White House or not. There's a lot of scandals out here, and some people think that they're fabricated, but, you know, the, the fact is it, there's proof behind this stuff. It's not just something people are conjuring up. You know, it's, it's actual solid proof behind this stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens behind all that. Uh, on the air with uh, my man Joe Cutlass, uh, founder of GSP and author of the book The Robin Hood of D.C. You guys got to get that book. How can people get a hold of your book, Joe? Sure, there's a couple of ways. They can go to the RobinHoodOfDC.com and order it from there, or they can also go to Amazon uh, and download a uh, uh, electronic copy if they're an e-reader, uh, or they can order the, the hardback copy online. It'll be delivered in a couple of days. I like that. The RobinHoodOfDC.com. That is beautiful, man. I wish I knew that before. I didn't do my homework. Nicole, it's your fault. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, just moving along. Look, we, we're talking about 1,200 pages, and I, and I don't know if anybody's screaming about this, but to me, it is the same thing when you, when you speak on immigration and you speak on Obamacare. I mean, they, they've done the exact same thing. Why aren't uh, uh, Democrats salivating at the mouth to jump to this uh, to be able to talk about, you know, GOPers on this? Yeah, you know, I the, from what I've seen, this thing is just it, it's it's imploded. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm disappointed in the way that, you know, I think the Republican Party has handled it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it's a shame. And, and, look, I get why some of these folks have come together. I get the Gang of Eight stuff. My old boss, Senator Santorum, was part of the Gang of Seven that reformed the, and closed the, the House post office, you know, back in – I mean, I, I get that there are reasons for these things. But it's, it's – and politics oftentimes makes strange bedfellows, you know. And you, and you look at this and you say, how is – Chuck Schumer in the same room with some of these folks. And, you know, I, I, I just I don't get that. But, you know, this is an important issue. It's one that they've taken, uh, you know, and it, it has been played out in public as an important issue. And I think that, um, yeah. you know, as you, as you look at the way this thing closes out, it, it looks like the Senate might get their 70 votes and the House just lets it die, um, you know, and Congress's approval rating will still be at 10%. Um, you know, there's just, yeah. it, it's amazing how those things work. You know, you, you got. I, I have a lot of regular listeners on here, and when I say regular, you know, I was in entertainment before, so a lot of people that listen to the show uh, follow me over from from the entertainment world. And you know, I've done a, a host of things, Joe. But how do you make this immigration problem uh, a reality to everyday people who who believe that hey, they made it here, it's okay. You know, why do you want to? kick people out of the country. And I, and I do hear a lot of that when I do public speaking in places and, you know, maybe this topic comes up. 
And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who just believe that, you know, everything is okay. You know, people are in this country that's fine now that they're working here. Leave them alone. How do you how do you make them understand what we're facing here? Well, there's, there's a few real poignant problems. First of all, we have a border. I mean, to, to be a sovereign nation, you have to be able to defend your border. And if we have a border mm-hmm. that's acting like a sieve, that becomes a problem. I mean, we're at war. As much as people might not want to talk about it, this war on terror is a true war. And there are folks that are going to use that border weakness to get into the country or worse, to get weapons into the country that could be used against us. Uh, and the fact that we're playing this off for the sake of political correctness is a huge problem. People just have to be – we have to have an adult conversation about that and, and understand that, these, that, that this isn't just funny. This isn't people just coming here. This, this is a problem that we have uh, and that our guys down there are understaffed, and we've got militia trying to do their job to help out down there uh, in, in the strangest of ways. Uh, you know, and that's problem number one. Problem number 1A is these people just don't come here and live. These people are here, and as a result, they're on buses. They're taking trolleys. There's transit. There's Social Security, there's Medicare, there's hospital stays, there's birthing. All of those things have a public impact. The government is picking up mm-hmm. the tab for people that are not our citizens uh, to do that. You know, and whether it becomes a, a matter of crime or whether it becomes a matter of, of, of a service that is provided to them, they're not paying into it. You know, so if you have 11 million people not paying into a system, that goes to the bottom line. That's, that comes right out of the bottom line. Of a, on an annual basis, we're paying the freight for these folks that are not paying into it. So the concept is that given amnesty in some way, they will now be paying into the system because they can register for jobs and work above the table, and they don't have to worry about being thrown out of the country or arrested or fined or all of the above. You know, and conceptually, I get that. You know, I want these folks who want to be here with us, who want to live the American dream, to be here as part of that. But there just has got to be a system for it. It can't be just running across the Rio Grande or coming across on a floating boat from Cuba. There's got to be a way to address this in, in, a, in a way where, it, number one, takes care of security, and number two, gets these, these folks you know, uh, down the path towards naturalization. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think if, the, if this bill is passed, do you think it gives like a provisional legal status to, to, those, to those 11 million illegals? It could. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I mean, I, I, look, I'm not an immigration expert by any stretch of the imagination. I've been following this for a number of our clients, and obviously it's, it's the, the topic du jour in D.C. Uh, but I, I, I will say, you know, if they, if they do allow that, um, that's, that's a game changer. You know, these folks are now here. They're going to be able to stay, uh, and there's got to be – they have to play by the rules at that point if that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, who knows how this law is eventually – plays out is implemented in the regulations around it because all of the, at that point it becomes the regulations and the enforcement of those regulations and if someone wants to be lazy yeah. about it they can be lazy about it if they want to be enforcing it uh to the letter of the law the spirit of the law those things can happen it just depends on who's in charge and right now i'm not sure we've got someone in charge that's going to do a lot of enforcing Ooh, i missed my sound effects button for that one man but that was good i like that <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, okay, you're down a um, producer, listen, I understand. I, yeah, I'm I'm down a couple, actually, man. This summer, <laughs> summertime is killing me here. But, you know, it, it is what it is, man. You got to gotta work through it and, and figure it out, and, and I have a little bit. It's got me stumbling, though, because every time I look at the kid here, I can't talk at the same time. It's like I can't jump rope and chew bubblegum at the same time. You know? <laughs> oh, well, I'll be that guy. On the air with Joe Cutlass, man, uh, author of the book, The Robin Hood of D.C., 
and this man has several other uh, beautiful jobs that him he himself has dived into and dove into, excuse me, and, and is flourishing through this. So if you could go back, I'm just going to take a turn here because I got you for a couple minutes here, but if you could go back to one particular age, what would that age be and why would you go back to that age? You know, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would probably choose the age of 24. 24 might sound strange because it's out of college, and the college stuff was fun, and it was a great time, and I enjoyed it. Uh, But 24 was also old enough that I wasn't the rookie in the office, but I got a chance to learn what my next profession was, you know what I mean, what I wanted to do as part of that. And you were taken a little bit more seriously around the office, uh, but at that time you were still able to watch other people and learn from them. Uh, and outside of, you know, now that I'm, I'm 41 and I'm getting, getting uh, on in, in age, and I look back at that, that was the formative years for me in terms of my professional career, and that's when I had the most fun. It was fun watching folks like Senator Santorum uh, and, and some of my colleagues there and learning from them and, and watching. I came in right with that contract with America in 1994. That was my first job, you know, out of college. And, and wow. that, was, that was some good times, seeing the Republicans take uh, the House and the Senate uh, back over and then seeing how, uh, you know, that, that historic movement uh, in the mid-'90s was able to kind of form, help me form my, uh, my career and eventually my businesses moving forward. Nice. I like that. Perfect answer. I, I always try to throw a, a question from way, way, way left field out there. So since you said 24, now I challenge you tomorrow or sometime next week, you got to remember something you did at 24, and you got to do it. you got to do it next week just to make yourself feel like you're 24 again one time. Even if it's call up somebody that you met back then who you hadn't pissed off or they hadn't pissed you off, <laughs> say, call them up and say hi. Hey, why not? Will do. You got my word on it. All right, man, we're going to let you go here. But before we go, we have two things to do. We play a game with all, with normally most of my guests, the guests that I like. I try to play this game with. And okay. uh, I ask you, I, it's kind of name association. I'm going to throw some names out there. And in, in, uh, in ten words or less, just tell us how you feel about them. I always say in one word or less. But if you can, do it. If you can't, give me less than ten. All right, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Jay-Z. Hmm. Entertaining. Rick Santorum. How's that for one word? <laughs> that, 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 that was perfect. That's what he is. <laughs> so, uh, Rick Santorum. Passionate. James Gandolfini. Um, mm, that, that's a shame. Uh, great actor. Love The Sopranos. Sorry to see him leave the earth a little early. Absolutely. And uh, last but not least, we're going to end this on a, on a good note with another actor slash politician, Ronald Reagan. Uh, my favorite. The reason I'm in politics. Nice. All right, folks. Show some love to my man, Joe Cutlass, coming through the KRP radio show. A big round of applause to you, my friend. We really you, appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, if we can do anything for you, you definitely have the contact. Thanks for staying the duration with us. Have a good week, brother. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right, you got it. That was Joe Cutler's folks, author of the book Robin Hood of D.C., an insider's guide to government marketplace for small and medium organizations. This man was absolutely excellent. And if you don't know who he is, 
Make sure you guys go to the RobinHoodOfDC.com. Pick up the book. Listen, if you're a business owner, if you're looking to get into business, if you dabble in politics, if you deal in politics, you want to know about lobbying, you want some good life, some good strong life information for your business and for yourself, this is definitely the book to have. I can't wait to get to D.C. because I'm going to try to get Joe to autograph this book. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to pass it on to somebody, and then I'm going to get it back, and I'm probably going to read it again if I don't buy one. So this is an amazing book, and I'm blessed to have it in my hands, man. It, it, it's got a chess piece in the middle here, a knight, I think. And uh, you know what? It, it, it's beautiful, man. So you guys make sure you go out and get that book, The Robin Hood of D.C., .com, Arthur Joe Cutler's an amazing guy. And if you guys have any lobbying needs out there, because I got a lot of political folks that listen to the show, a lot of you senators and a lot of you people who are looking to get into the Senate, a lot of people running for different races. So, you know, don't stop calling me because, I, you know, I still need my, my fee. But if you need a lobbyist, make sure you hit up Joe and uh, GSP Consulting. Look them up. They're online. And uh, Joe Cutler's is quite the amazing guy. You heard him here right on the KRP radio show. Going to commercial, folks, when we come back, my closing thoughts, and we're going to get you guys off the air. You're rocking with the KIRP radio show, number one black conservative show, Southeastern United States, baby. We do a B.I.G. Check us out. We'll be right back after these messages. trip through Liberalville, call it what you may. The ghetto, the hood, the block, the trap is nothing more than the outcome of liberal policy. If the Negro in the ghetto must eternally be fed by the hand that pushes him into the ghetto, he'll never have the strength to get out of the ghetto. That's Carter Woodson, and it's the premise for this article. Now, when most people think about Liberalville, called by one of the aforementioned nicknames, they think drugs, crime, trash, and desperation, low-grade public housing, limited job opportunities, and no chance at a quality education. They just forget to look at the equation. People plus liberal politics equals total degeneration. You need a better tour guide. What's really there, the liberals had. People of all faiths, colors, and creeds, all with a basic need to belong. See, it's the same song from 8-Tracks, the Wax CD, the iPod. Living in Liberalville is hard, or is it? Let me tell you what I see when you remove the democratic elite. I see the poet. Feelings into verbs, action into words, a revolution has occurred in modern-day storytelling. 
His wit is hard to defeat. His desire makes it hard to compete. But his skill stays on mixed tastes and side streets because we find value in the industry. I see the artist. A vision in his head, bigger than any paper or pad, graffiti formed on walls, and it's sad. We find no value in the art that he shares. So it stays in Liberalville halls instead of on museum walls. His property values continue to fall. I see the pastor. Broken and remade, no longer weighed down by past mistakes, saved and enraged. Those around him continue to fade from God's glory to government shade in an attempt to be made into what our Savior already promised. I see the banker. Never stepped foot out of Liberalville still. The boy can convert euros to yen and back to dollars again, accounting for inflation and taxation trapped in a situation where he doesn't understand the value of his instant computations. I see the politician on a mission to stand in opposition to anyone who would change the rules halfway through the game. He can rev up the folks, folks and gather the vote, but it's a shame. He has no power or desire until shots are fired and the people need someone to blame. I see the lawyer, not court, but street-appointed masters of defense, not bar, but street associates of common sense. In a pinch, he can play name that crime. He can list the charges, guess the verdict, and predict prison time. Dirty hands and deeds protected by a brilliant mind. I see the social worker. Two kids of her own, two of her brothers, never doing for self, always for others. I shudder to feel such a back-breaking weight. Low funds, short supply, and empty plates. And the support system that says, wait, fall a little further, then we'll save the day. I see the psychiatrist. Oh, she may be whacked out, she may seem, but for free she'll break down your dreams whether you asked her to or not. She spots those who pass with a swift kick in the ass and says, hold up, not so fast. Your mom did it and so did I. The answer to your problem is not getting high. It's doing more than just getting by. I see a promise. I see a possibility, a promise and a possibility with a capital P and potentially the only salvation for our community. K-I-R-P Radio! Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the life ever. This is 
what we do. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone. Inspire you to take action. Be risky and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industry. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, Celebrity Chef Nikki Shaw, Teen and Family Producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Stationery is an online indie department store born with the ideology, community, and self. We believe that a garment or accessory created by an independent designer can do more for our community on a deeper level. The ability to wear someone's imagination is a beautiful event. Purchasing independent means wearing something unique while supporting those around you. The designers you support could very well be your neighbors, friends, and family. Embrace your indie state of mind. Shop indie. www.dechri.com. Day Cherie. Sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every one hundred ten children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Again, that's eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. K-I-R-P Radio!
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, folks, to the final thoughts of the KIRP Radio Show.com with your boy Pudgy. I am the host. Catch me on Twitter, folks, at symbol NC Pudgy. That's me. Don't be surprised on what I might put on Twitter. It is my Twitter. And I can talk as outrageous as I like. And you can't say anything about that. No, I'm kidding. I just don't care what you say about that. And also catch the show on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we got a, a host of people tweeting for the show. So if you have your – you can insult me towards the show's Twitter, which is at symbol KRP Radio Show. Um, but why not just send your insults directly to me? Because I love reading them. Like, I, I love those insults drive me. It makes me continue to do what I do. It makes me uh, happy that you're paying attention to my life and that you spend, you're spending time on the show. I really appreciate that. And it also lets me know that you're learning something because let's just face it, folks. When you believe something that's just wrong majority of the time through your whole life and your mama taught you wrong and your daddy taught you wrong, I'm sorry. And I don't mean to be talking about your parents. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm just saying if your mom and your pops taught you wrong, especially politically, and your teachers didn't teach you right, we, which we know, you know, most schools, they don't. Come on. Let's be for real. A lot of them can't or they're scared. But, you know, if your mom didn't do it right, your, your grandma, grandpa, and, and your teachers and, you know, anybody around you that should have taught you correctly about things that are going on in this world outside of your neighborhood. If they taught you uh, the wrong principles or you have the wrong understanding about those things, and then you come to the show, and I'm just this old guy, this guy who used to rap, this regular Joe who loves running his mouth about politics and some stuff that he reads and some people that he might know and some places that he travels, just because a guy like myself might just go on a tangent and start telling you how wrong you are and backing it by solid proof and evidence that can be read, just because I do that doesn't make you have to be okay with it. Like, I get it. I understand if you don't accept it. I understand if you're pissed off about it. Hell, I understand if you don't like it and you want to fight about it. I get it. But just keep listening. Don't believe me. Don't take what I say off face value. Don't take what my guests say off face value. And shout out to Joe Cuglis. You know, go out. Don't Google it because it's all sorts of junk on there. Go to a library. Open up an index and go to the history section and read it for yourself. Go to the political section. And, and and understand it for yourself. Pull out a book, throw some books on the table, you know, cut your cell phone off and, and your Twitter and all that off, and just take some time and read for yourself and understand for yourself, and you'll understand where we're coming from and why we think this way and how we think this way, you know? It's not rocket science. It's not something that's, you know, a, a hidden secret, you know, these things that we're talking about, this immigration and this amnesty. You know, there's a large section of the world, there's a large section of the United States who believe that 
it should be okay. You know, just because someone's here illegal, it's not a big deal. You know, they're not bothering anybody. And and you know, when you when, especially when you when you get into the black community, in the minority community, you you hear you hear things like, uh, well, they're not working the jobs that we want to work anyway, or they're not bothering anybody, or you know, you you just hear all sorts of things that just don't make sense. I just got to call it what it is. And it's not only the minority communities, it's all over this country. Like everywhere you go, you hear people talking about these issues and people are just like, why can't we just leave them alone? And, and, and you know, one of the most amazing parts to this uh, immigration reform or this immigration issue, if you will, one of the most amazing ideals is that some people think that illegal immigration is only happening to the south of the United States. You know, some people think that people are only uh, 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 running into running into America through the southern border. When I'm in groups of people and I deal with all sorts of people and I travel places where immigrants are coming by Plane. The plane full. It's not only Mexican and South American immigrants and people that are hopping over a fence from Mexico into the United States. Those aren't the only illegal immigrants that we have. They're people that are escaping from all over this world from their from their communist countries. Or, or or their dictator-like countries, and and they're coming here for a better life. So before you speak on immigration, understand that. Uh, just understand this: America is not serious about immigration because the powers that be, and I'm going to get a little bit conspiracy theory on you. The powers that be and the people that control the powers that be that really control the real money. Those people want to destroy this country anyway. They want to break this country anyway, monetarily speaking. They want to see the demise of America anyway. They don't want to see us get this right. And the problem I see with immigration reform is that it's so far gone you know, we're talking about 11 million illegal immigrants. That's what they can count. The true number is probably somewhere double. At least half of that. There's at least 16,000 illegal immigrants over here in America from somewhere or another that don't belong here, that don't have the proper paperwork, the prop, that didn't go through the proper channels, that are illegal, some of them being criminals running from the law in their own country. They're living off of our dollar. They're living off of our tax money. Folks, this is why it's so important to fix the tax structure. When you compare the two and you put the two in the same basket and you're looking at these things, you got to understand that the more people from outside of this country that are leeching on this country, that are not paying into this country, the more people that we have in the house that aren't paying, 
the worse off the house is going to be. Let me put it in simple man's terms. You can't have a three-bedroom house with 15 people living in a three-bedroom house, and this is not a nod to anyone, but you can't have a three-bedroom house with 15 individuals living in that house and only five of those 15 individuals contributing to the needs and the living amendments of that house. You know, you can't have only five people paying for the rent, the food, and the plumbing and all of that because you know what's going to happen? Those 15 people, those other 10 people, and, and their usage of that house is going to overweigh what those five people can keep up. They're going to eat more. They're going to piss and crap more. They're gonna, it, it, it's just not going to work. This is where we are in America. You have a small percentage of the people whom the, whom the left always paint as the, always paint as the evil right. You know, the people on the right who want who want to take care of this thing, who wanna who wanna you know make amends to this, who wanna fix the situation. You know, the people on the left are always gonna paint them people as racist haters. You know, those people over there are haters. They just don't want you to get your piece of the American dream. They want to kick you out of the country. No, we want you to help take care of this country if you're going to be here. In common man's terms, if you ain't going to pay a bill, get your ass out of the house. It's simple. And this is where we are in America. Whether you like it or not, we can't afford to have more people continue to come into this country and get the things that a lot of the Americans can't get in this country to live free, uh, you know, which, which and, not, and not pay any taxes, which basically means to live illegal. If you're illegal, you're living free. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if you pay to go to the store. I don't care if you pay for a car. You pay for tax on your car. I don't care if you pay for a driver's license. If you are an illegal alien, you are living in this country free. It's just the facts. Someone is paying for your spot in this country, and it has to be fixed, folks. The American government does not really care. This is smoke and mirrors, folks. And I'm here's, here's a call. I'm ringing the alarm, and I'm looking for all my GOP folks out there who were so quick to criticize Obamacare like I was myself because I knew that Obamacare is a death sentence for anybody on that generalized, socialized medicine. I understand. I'm smart enough to know that anytime I can't control what type of pills and when I want to take a pill for me and my well-being, I'm smart enough to know that that's a, a, a negative. That's a bad thing. When I can't control the intake of what medicine goes in my body and I can't control when I go to the doctor and what doctor I want to see, when I want to see him, and it's up to someone else who sits in the office, a panel in which that makes a, 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 a joint decision based upon my individual health care, which never happens because they group you and they make a decision based on general principles that they agree to, not us, them. So I'm smart enough to know that Obamacare is a death sentence to anybody and everybody that's going to be on it. I'm smart enough to know that. So I'm looking for all the other people that were supporting me in that effort, all the people that were hoo-rahing and haying and, yeah, telling Pudgy and in my amen corner and, 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 you know, on my side when I was talking about Obamacare. I'm looking for you guys 
Because what just happened right here in the same America, but this time on the right, our senators, our GOP senators have done the exact same thing that people on the left did. There's an there's an additional amendment that's been added to this to to this immigration reform that's added some 400 pages to an already 800 page bill called the Hoven Corker Amendment. So now it's 1,200 pages, and something had to be done Monday. And I guarantee you that our senators have not read 1,200 pages of immigration reform in bill form. So again, just like with Obamacare and those senators on the left and some on the right, not very many, but there were a couple who supported Obamacare, here we are on the right, and the same thing is being done, but with a different topic. I don't understand where all the outrage went. There are some amazing people that are out there fighting on the ground level. I see you, especially to my women out here in North Carolina. I'm not going to call your name right now, but I see you fighting. I hear you fighting, and I understand your fight. I hear your battle cry. And a lot of you ladies are a lot braver than any of these guys out here that supposedly are fighting for the benefit of America or supposedly working for the betterment of America. The, the political divide is we have another 1,200-page bill with a lot of the policies in it, a lot, excuse me, with a lot of politics in it, and I'm going to call it, and I call it, and I refer to it as the Amnesty Healthcare-like bill. This is what we have. Where's the outrage? I'm sick and tired of people being sick and tired. It's time to stand up and fight and at least speak out about these issues because I'm here to tell you, your neighbors don't get it. Your friends at work don't get it. Your coworkers don't get it. Your family don't get it. And it looks like, it looks like to me, your senators don't get it. And they damn sure ain't got it. Thanks for listening to the KRP Radio Show. Thanks for listening to me, Babylon. Shout out to my guest, Joe, the author of Robin Hood of D.C. Oh, I'm sorry, I got cut out. Joe Cutlass, the author, author of the Robin Hood of D.C. Go to the RobinHoodofDC.com. Sorry about my babbling. I'm trying to do two and three and four and five things at one time, but it is what it is. Thanks for listening to the show, folks. Catch me next week. We will be right back with another special guest. A bit of a surprise for you guys. Well, thanks for listening to the show. Catch you next week. KRPRadioShow.com, Twitter, Facebook. We are all over the place, and we are definitely out here. One love. Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still. I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I get to shine. Now throw your hands.